and welcome back to your brain on weird i'm sam i'm sage and this is the podcast starring us we're two best friends who love to smoke weed and talk about weird shit and it's gonna be great yeah it's great every time sometimes we talk about ghosts we actually talk about ghosts a lot pretty regularly yes yes so how are you doing today sage i'm pretty good I had a rough last week or so, but things are getting better, so Good. I feel better. Uh, I'm just kind of stressed out because the next couple months are pretty wild. Yes. <laughs> but it's all fun things, so I'm trying not to stress out about it. Um, it's just like a lot of traveling and seeing people and doing things with other people, and I haven't done that in like going on two years now, I think. So it's just kind of like, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. Yes. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'd have plenty of time to prepare. So that's good. What else is I going to say? Oh, my plants are all doing great. I got some new ones as well. Yes. Allie donated some of her herbs to me. So that's exciting. My cat palm has a bunch of new fans that are coming out. I don't know if you saw the pictures I posted earlier. There's a few that came out like while we were gone camping last week that i didn't notice that are like big fans that have like seven leaves on them Mm -hmm. um and then there's a whole bunch of like new ones that are starting to come up and i'm wicked stoked about that because i never thought i would be able to grow a a palm plant so i'm yes very exciting and yeah that's it that's great i've been up since six so i'm a little tired but it's been a good day so far so i went grocery shopping and i got some weird strawberry cinnamon bread (laughs) that i'm gonna try later interesting very interesting i'm very interested yeah it it was limited edition so we'll see okay i'll let you know let me know (laughs) how are you doing i am also tired as usual yes um i did however schedule my sleep study finally yay that's exciting it is tragically they it's kind of one of those things where like they give you a date and time and you like you're like yes i'm going to take this so they very tragically scheduled me for my birthday yeah so i have to go Uh. in on the night of my birthday and pay like fifteen hundred dollars to be there happy birthday to me hooray (sighs) yeah um, but hopefully I will be able to actually start sleeping because, um, so Nick and I went to a show in, uh, the city over the weekend and we were very safe about it. We wore masks the whole time and it was great, but we stayed up super late. <laughs> so we didn't go to sleep until like three o'clock in the morning, Oof, which is wild for us. And then that we, is wild. And then we got up at eight o'clock. Oh, God. So we could drive home because we left Ruben overnight. So basically, when we got home, I like slept the entire rest of that day. Yeah. Which was yesterday. So I slept for like 20 hours yesterday because nice. I was just like exhausted. Um, so I'm still exhausted. And I like woke up at five o'clock this morning for some reason. But I was able to go back to sleep. Oh, that's good. That's good. <sighs> yeah. But just perpetually exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. My 
plants are doing great. I had to take my African violet inside because of that like crazy fucking storm we had over the weekend. Um, Oh yeah, that was weird. I don't know what it was like for you, but it was like pouring thunder, lightning, like constantly, constantly. And like, I was worried about my plants. So I took everybody inside. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I discovered that my African violet actually has two little buds on it. And I'm so excited. Wow, that's exciting. I love that. Um, I've had them for well over a year now, and this is their first flower. I'm very excited about it. Yay! Ah, Nice. such Such a successful plant, Dad. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations on your soon to be plant children. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have this uh I have the sticker sitting on my desk, the proud plant parent one that yes, I got. I have that one on my notebook, which is right here. And I haven't written in it since Yeah. <laughs> April. Yeah, sounds right sounds right. That's how most of my notebooks look. I gave that's up on I, this year's calendar. That's why I haven't put this on anything, because I can't decide what I want to do with it yet. So I'm just like, you know what? We'll wait. Put it on something. Eventually, it'll be. Eventually. Eventually. It'll be. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's great. And I'm on vacation this week, which is exciting as well. Oh, that is exciting. Oh, do you still want to go to the beach? Yes, I want to look that up as well. Okay, yeah, we can we can talk about that later. But yes, 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 yes. So we're going to have a lot of time to work on the van, and I'm very excited. Da-da-da-da. Wow, that is very exciting. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. All right. Dude, it's a Monday. Why is my neighbor blasting music? Can he, like, hear me talking and he just, like, knows that I'm doing this and decides to start playing music? It's a... They only do this on Tuesdays. Ah! Okay. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Are you hydrated today? Sorry, I'm looking to see if Audacity is picking up this... The music behind me because it's just so fucking loud. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine. Well, if you can hear bass in the background of... The- <laughs> this episode i apologize hopefully it doesn't show up but we'll see um i am not hydrated at all actually i i got up this morning and i did have one full bottle of water and then i refilled it drank half of it and then i went to the grocery store and did a bunch of other stuff and haven't drank water until i sat down here to record so i've only had like a bottle and a half and it's like yeah late afternoon so yeah i'm not doing great but i'm working on it i'm catching up there is time (laughs) yes i also had two iced coffees oh okay that had ice in them so the water melted i also had two iced coffees today (gasps) nice it's the perfect number it is um delicious i also have had a bunch of water though so i'm like not 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 non-hydrated also um i keep forgetting to tell you this but so when we stayed in Boston, we, like, got breakfast the next morning, and we, there was just, like, this place next to the hotel. Um, it was called Le Pain. And, um... <laughs> it was called... It was called what? Le Pain. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the girl ringing us up had a French accent as well, and I was like... Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Um, but I got this... Uh, I got a cold brew with oat milk in it, and... It was literally the best cold brew that I've ever had in my entire life. It was wow. so fucking good. I was like, how is this so good? It's just coffee. <laughs> and it was just like perfect. And I like didn't get it sweetened or anything, but it like wasn't bitter at all. And it wasn't like overly strong. It was just like 
perfect. And I was like, oh my God, I got to tell Chris about this. Oh man. Oh, I love, I love a good coffee. Well, we'll have to go at some point. Yeah. Um, where was it that I got a really good coffee? One of two places in downtown mm-hmm. that we get coffee from, but there was one time where I got a cold brew and I got it black, but then Jeff did something to it. Like he put something in it that we had in the fridge, whether it was creamer or like Bailey's. I like, I don't know what he put in it, but it was like the best coffee I've had in my entire life. And I asked Jeff, like, what did you do to this? And he was like, oh, I like don't really remember. I think I might have like put a little bit of Bailey's in there, like maybe some creamer. And I was like, He's like, I haven't had my coffee yet. I was like, okay, I guess I get it. But also, (laughs) how did this coffee come to be? But also, it had a lot to do with how good the coffee was. So I haven't had their cold brew since then, but I'll definitely need to go back and just have it black because I'm sure it's wicked good without any of the extra stuff in it. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Ah, Just love coffee. Oh, me too. This is not a podcast about coffee, but maybe it should be. (laughs) It, It very well could be. It could be. We talk about um, coffee every single episode, so. It's true. Ouch. Just kicked my computer. Sorry, computer. Well, do you want to talk about something that our podcast usually is about? Yes. Something weird? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, first, though, I did want to bring up, I don't know if anybody noticed, if you're a patron, but I did put up some bonus content over the weekend. I had to remove some bonus content. <laughs> Um, So I figured I would go ahead and replace it. The reason why I had to remove some content is because in episode one, I brought up David Politis and I had put an entire section that we had cut from episode one about David Politis and his work on our Patreon as bonus content. And that had been sitting there basically, I mean, for a very long time. So I removed that because David Politis is an anti-masker. He's also said some pretty terrible things to people on the internet. Um, I would argue that he's ableist, just overall a piece of trash person. Some people have said that he's relatively pro-cop. We're not about that here. So uh, yeah, I decided to just go ahead and get rid of that because we don't support that and we don't want to give those kind of people a platform. So that is now gone and it is replaced with something better. Thank you. That's awesome. Which is basically just like uh, a bunch of random stuff that I had cut from episodes either because it uh, was too specific or it was really random and I like just kind of figured I could throw it in somewhere else. Um, But it's really funny and you should go check it out if you're a patron. It's only like eight minutes long, but it's a blast. I haven't had the chance to to listen to it yet, but I'm very excited to. I have it pulled up on my phone and everything. I just literally need to listen to it. That's totally fine. You you take your time. It'll be there for you. Thank you. So if you if you go on our Patreon and you just search bonus content, it should be right there. And it's got our Adventure Time rant. It's got us talking about Bob's Burgers. It's got uh, us making random noises, being very confused about technology. It's very nice. So <laughs> Amazing. Yes. That's okay. awesome. <laughs> well, that's the that's uh, that's my thing. Also, wear your mask. Wear your mask. Wear please a wear mask. a mask. Please go back to wearing your mask. If you stopped wearing your mask, I don't know why you did. If you stopped wearing your mask, please go back to wearing your mask. Thank you. Okay. Are you ready to get into my weird thing? Yeah, absolutely. So, apparently I've been on a true crime kick. 
this one's a little bit out of place, I will admit, but I think that you'll enjoy it. You've heard this one before. All right. So just a little content warning. We are going to be talking again, second time in a row, I'm sorry, about a murder case. It's very real. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about alcoholism and a little bit of um, sexual abuse. And yep, so forewarning. But this is the incredible story of Michael Malloy, otherwise known as Mike the Durable, Iron Mike, the Irish Rasputin, or the Juggernaut. Okay. It's very fun, I will say. Besides the fact that murder happened. Anyway. So Michael Malloy was born in 1873 in County Donegal, Ireland. He had immigrated from Ireland and was living in New York City at the time in the Bronx. Um, We are going to talk about something that happened in the 1930s. So at this time, he's about 50 to 60 years old. Um, And he is a former firefighter who has fallen on hard times. He is unemployed. He's unhoused. He has immigrated from Ireland, so he has no friends or family in the area. And basically, he was shunned by his fellow Irish immigrants, friends, for being a drunk. So he had had this problem for a while, and he basically spent most of his time at the speakeasies. So, and keep in mind, this is in the 1930s, so this is during Prohibition. Is this also during the Great Depression? I don't know when the yes, it is. Was. Okay, thank you. Yes, um, also that during would the Great Depression. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. So, also during the Great Depression, meaning that everybody really is falling on hard times. You're looking for miscellaneous ways to make money, and obviously, people are still drinking. Speakeasies are all over the place, and police at this point just kind of turned a bl- blind eye to it because prohibition didn't work. <laughs> it it did not. So, anyway, so that's where we are right now in this story. It's during the Great Depression, during Prohibition. So we talked about Michael Malloy. And now I'm going to introduce you to five other key uh, characters, I guess, in this story. So the first one is Tony Marino. He's age 27. um, And he owns Marino's Speakeasy on 3rd Avenue in New York City. Um, And then we have Joseph or Red Murphy, who is Marino's barback at the Speakeasy, also like his, like, bartender. And then we have Francis Pasqua. I think I'm pronouncing that right. This guy yes. is basically a scammer. He, uh, a documentary I watched described him as an undertaker. So he like basically like knew everybody. Weird. You know, if you needed a lawyer for something, he knew that lawyer. If you needed somebody to do, you know, a quote unquote job for you, he knew that guy. Like he just knew everybody. Um, <laughs> so that's Francis Pasqua. And then we have Daniel Kreisberg, who is a grocer. So he is there, the fifth person in our story here. (coughs) Another thing to note is that, so in the year prior, Tony Marino, the owner of this speakeasy that Michael Malloy frequents, um, had befriended and started dating a woman named Mabel Carson. Uh, I saw conflicting notes about whether she was moderately wealthy. There was another one that said she was unhoused. So it's, I don't really know what her history is. But 
basically what happened was that Tony Marino convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy, naming him the beneficiary. And then, uh, this is where it gets bad. Forewarning. One night, Marino force-fed her alcohol, stripped her of her clothing, doused the sheets and mattress with ice water, and pushed the bed beneath an open window. The medical examiner listed her cause of death as bronchial bronchial pneumonia, and Marino collected that life insurance policy with no issues. Wow. Get fucked. So this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, fuck (laughs) you, dude. Yeah. But Michael Malloy had been coming to Marino's bar for a while, um, and Marino was watching him basically deteriorate. He saw that he was, you know, always drunk. He was unhealthy. He had miscellaneous medical problems that were untreated because he was unhoused. Um, he was really out of shape. And one day, Francis Pasqua, the undertaker, suggested that Marino take out a life insurance policy on Malloy. Because he, you know, he knew he had done this once before. He was like, yeah, you've done this before. Why don't you do it again with this guy? Um, and he offered his help. He was like, you know, you, you do the life insurance policy forms and I'll do the rest, basically. Yeah. So. <sighs> Wild. According to a newspaper report, Marino basically said, he looks like he doesn't have much longer to go anyhow. Um, the alcohol was getting to him, and he was like, I'm all in. So five days later, they got this group of people together, these five five guys, and by the way, they were they were later called the Murder Trust. I guess it, like some guy who wrote an article called them that. that. So that's their little group name. Interesting. Cool. And these the Murder Trust uh, plotted to kill Malloy in order to collect three different life insurance policies on him. Three of them? Three of them. So they basically started befriending Malloy. They were giving him free drinks. They started treating him way better than usual. They started like pretending like they were, you know, like, I'm, we're here for you. We're your best friend. Um, and like, keep in mind, this guy's completely alone. He has like no other friends. These are the only people he has to go to. And they, they offered him, like, a little place to sleep in the back of the bar. Um, and Malloy is, like, stoked. He's like, this is great. Like, I finally have people who are, like, helping me out. And he was so thrilled that Marino basically tricked him and said, hey, I'm going to run for local office. Would you sign this petition that will, you know, help me run for local office? And the petition that he signed were actually those three life insurance policies. Oh, yeah. Yikes. So there was there was one from MetLife, from Metropolitan Life, and the other two were from Prudential. So. Wild. Both of those companies are still around today. Yes, they are. Yay. So basically, these guys were set up to collect these insurance policies under the name Nicholas Malloy. Um, I'm not really sure why they used a different first name. I only saw that in one place, but either way, basically it was if he were to die an accidental death, these guys would collect his life insurance policy. Yeah. And from this, they would gain over $3,500, which is about 70 grand today. That's not even that much. No, it's not. And consider consider the fact that you're splitting it with four other people. Yeah. So these guys were like desperate for money. Like yeah. Great Depression. Like they were like, yeah. we just need money. We don't care. So 
They gave Malloy unlimited credit to the bar. That was their first step. And they automatically assumed, you know, he's going to abuse it. And they weren't wrong. I mean, he drank for the entire day and, Mm -hmm. you know, sat at the bar and just, you know, was having a great time. And at the end of the day, he stumbled out of the bar completely fine. And uh, he came back the next day. So then Marino is like, what the hell? And decides he's going to replace Malloy's liquor with antifreeze. Jesus Christ. That seems like a logical next step. Sure. Sure. Um, Forewarning, these guys are not very smart. But the thing with antifreeze is that it's also engine coolant, and even a small amount of it can be poisonous, and it can be life-threatening. It can lead to a coma. You'll basically feel drunk, and then you'll start having like convulsions it's just it's 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 not good um but he continued to drink it with no problems he actually said that he preferred the antifreeze over the regular whiskey that marino was giving him he was like this is great like i want more of this but he was totally fine and the reason why is because they were giving him regular alcohol like grain alcohol ethanol before they were giving him the antifreeze to, like, make him drunk to where he wouldn't notice that he's drinking antifreeze. But the thing is, is that ethanol blocks the absorption of ethylene glycol? Yes. Um, and it's an antidote for antifreeze poisoning. That is so fucking funny. <laughs> so they literally gave him the antidote before they tried to give him the antifreeze. So it didn't do a thing. He was like, this is great. This is fine. Left at the end of the day, like great (laughs) or went into the back and slept in the back like i don't know so again these guys were not very smart they didn't really have this figured out uh that's hilarious yes i love it i I never knew that like detail before yeah that's so funny (laughs) i didn't i didn't know that they were literally giving him the antidote and that's yeah. why it wasn't working. Yeah, I thought he just had, like, a liver of steel or something. Yeah, well, like, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Probably well, also that. also. <laughs> um, oh, also, I guess I should add, this guy is, like, he's, like, six feet tall, and I think he, somebody said he was, like, 190 pounds. So he's, like, a pretty decent-sized guy. He's, like, Nick's size. Yeah. Except, like, heavier. Yeah, just a little, little heavier. heavier. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So they're all, like, kind of starting to get a little mad. Because they've tried twice now, and this guy is just not dying. So they replace the antifreeze with turpentine, which basically uh, burns your body from the inside. Love it that. It can just, like, burn holes in your intestines, um, and you'll lose your vision. But again, they were giving him regular ethanol, grain alcohol, beforehand, and so it didn't have the same effect as it would have. So again, he's just drinking this. You know, every day he's coming back and saying, hey, I'm back, you know, like, give me more, give me more of that antifreeze, give me more of that grit, the good stuff, you know. And so they start trying horse liniment and rat poison, and then they're mixing wood alcohol with the normal liquor. But like I said, normal liquor helps negate methanol, which is in wood alcohol. So they're like feeding him all this terrible shit, like this poison but also feeding him the antidote. But they're, they're getting mad. Like, they're starting to get pissed because, like, nothing's working. It's been, like, days and days now. So they're running out of ideas, and 
the insurance policy is also about to run out because I, I guess they only signed it for like a month or something like that. I have no idea. So the insurance policy is about to run out. Everyone's getting mad. So they start grinding up glass and putting it in his drinks. And one day Pasqua comes in and says, hey, I have an idea. I saw this guy die after eating raw oysters, like raw oysters that he had had with whiskey. So that, you know, maybe that'll work. So they gave Mike raw oysters that had been soaked in wood alcohol instead. And he is just like, oh my God, thank you so much for the free food. Like, this is so good. Like, oh my God, like oysters, like, thank you guys so much. Like, this is great. It's totally fine. But then things start to get a little crazy and they start feeding him sandwiches that they made out of spoiled sardines that were mixed with poison and like carpet tacks and like nails and shit. They're just like throwing all this like gross stuff into sandwiches and feeding it to him. But this guy is homeless, doesn't have a job, and is just like, thank you for the free food. I'm just going to eat it and not ask any questions. So he sits there and he eats it and he leaves at the end of the day and he's totally fine. So weeks and weeks and weeks go on still. They're just feeding him all this crap. And Tony Marino is like, you know what? I've done this before. Why don't I just do it the same way I did it before? So one night, Michael Malloy drinks until he passes out at the bar. It's in the middle of January, so all the guys get together. They carry him out to the park. They strip him of his up, you know, his shirt and his coat, throw him into the snow, and they dump a bunch of water on his like bare chest and just leave him overnight to freeze. And the best part is that the next day, there's a knock on the door, and the bar hand goes to answer it, and Malloy is like, hey, can I come in and have a drink? I've got a, I've got a wee chill, I think is what they said he said. So he's like, I'm a little cold. Can I come in and have a drink? Holy Again, shit. totally fine. Yeah. But the thing is, is that he's probably had to deal with the cold before. You know, I'm sure he, this is not his first time sleeping out in the cold. And, you know, maybe it's not a shock to him for him to just wake up in the middle of the park without a shirt on. Yeah. He's like, aw, again? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Which is, like, sad. But he's also just like, you know what? We're going to go back to the bar. I'm doing great. This is all just great. I'm going to get me one of them sandwiches. Love it. Love it. So then they rope in an additional person. They rope in Hershey Green, who is a taxi driver. And they give him $150 to run over Michael Malloy with his taxi. So, yeah, let's just fucking hit him with a car just now. Run him over. Fine. We're getting Yeep. that desperate. So, late one night in January, they got Molloy drunk. They brought him out into the street and basically went at him going like 50 miles an hour with the taxi. Uh, first of all, they missed the first two attempts. I don't know how. I think I, well, I Malloy, assume- Malloy is still like, Standing? You know, he's not passed out. He's standing. Yeah. He's just really drunk. So he's like stumbling all over the road. Yeah. So I guess they missed him the first two times. And then the third time they hit Malloy, his body hit the hood. It went over the back of the car and then dropped to the ground. And then Green backed up over him 
just to make sure. So they're like, you know what? He's got to be dead now. We're out of here. Like, no, nobody, nobody's going to see us. He's dead now. So a few weeks go by. I think, like, I saw, f- like, five days to three weeks. I don't know which one it was, but a while goes by. And there's no reports or death notices for Michael Malloy. So they're thinking that either, like, nobody knows that he's dead yet, or they just don't have a name for him. He's unidentified. But... <laughs> One day, Malloy swings open the bar to the speakeasy, limps in. He's a little bit bandaged up. He, like, looks a little rough. But he sits down at the bar and says, man, I've, I've had a time. I'm feeling a little sore. Can I get a drink? And apparently what had happened is that a policeman had picked him up and taken him to the hospital. He had a broken bone. He had some stitches that needed to be put in. But he was, he was okay after all that. Wild. So, of course, they're freaking pissed because they still can't collect the policy on this guy. They thought he was dead for, like, a few weeks or something. But one thing I read is that when you're drunk, your muscles don't, like, tense up. So if you're in an accident or, yeah, or anything like that, you won't get as injured as you normally would because you're, like, a ragdoll, basically. Mm -hmm. So that, like, is one explanation for it. This is why there are drunk drivers that get into car accidents and almost always walk away from it yeah because they're limp and it is the like the tensing up that makes your body like impact so hard yeah 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 oof yikes yeah and then they murder the people who are sober oop okay, yeah anyway. exactly yeah <sighs> yeah anyway yeah. don't drink and drive folks um so Now we're going to, I'm going to introduce you to one more guy. Well, I guess there's two more guys. But here's the first of the two more guys. First of the two more guys? Oh my god. His name is Tough Tony Bastoni. I love it. Was that his real name or? (laughs) I feel like Tony Bastoni was probably his real name. They probably added the tough part. Tough. But yeah. (laughs) Is it like, quote, tough? I, I didn't even see it in quotes, actually, now that you mention it. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe his first name is Tough, and then Tony is the one that's in quotes. Tough. Tony. Bastoni. (laughs) Okay, anyway. (laughs) So. Yes, love that. Love that for him. Me too. So, Tough Tony. Here's the thing. Tough Tough Tony is kind of a jerk. Yeah. Well, all these guys are. But he finds out that he hasn't been included in this deal that uh, that all these guys have made. He's like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not going to get a cut of this. So he's pissed. And he threatens Marino and basically says, if you don't, if you don't kill this guy soon, it's going to be you instead. Or like something like that. The documentary that I watched, that's what he did. I don't know if that's actually what happened, but whatever. Dramatization. <laughs> fucking wild. So Marino's like under a lot of pressure now. He's like, I don't fucking know what to do. I can't just shoot this guy. Like, because everyone will know. So they finally figured it out. On February 22nd, 1933, Malloy passes out at the bar as usual. And the five guys carried him to Red Murphy's home, the barback's home. This is, like, pretty horrendous, actually. They put a hose in his mouth that was connected to a coal gas pipe. So, like, basically, like, the uh, fuel for gas lamps, they just, like, stuck that hose in his mouth and just fed him carbon monoxide. 
So he was dead within the hour. So unfortunately, that was the end of Mike. But it took them over four months and probably about 20 attempts. Holy shit. To kill this guy. World's dumbest criminals. Yes. (laughs) But they pronounced him dead of pneumonia. They buried him pretty quickly, of course. Um, And they collected the life insurance policy from one company. I'm assuming it was MetLife. But the other two life life insurance policies they couldn't collect from Prudential. And it was because Prudential thought that this was really suspicious. They were like, okay, wait, hold on. (laughs) Like, they saw something wrong. So they didn't, they weren't able to collect the other two life insurance policies immediately. There was like still some back and forth going on with that. But during this time, police also started hearing rumors of Mike the Durable. And this story was spreading in speakeasies over town. Like, oh man, they can't freaking kill this guy. Like, what the hell? Um, And so when they finally find out that Mike had died, they had the body exhumed and examined. Oh, no, dude. Um, and again, these guys are incredibly stupid. Everybody, Everybody's talking about this. Everybody's talking about how these guys just can't kill this one guy. And the cops are like standing there being like, okay, so he's not dead yet. All right, interesting. And then he does die. And they're like, well, fuck. All right. <laughs> he did die. Now we got to do something about it. Cops don't prevent crime. No, they don't. They don't prevent it. They just go, oops, once it actually happened. But at least they had the body exhumed. I will say Mm -hmm. that. So here's the thing. Carbon monoxide in your blood is so stable that even if the body has decomposed, you will be able to tell that the body has gone through carbon monoxide poisoning because your entire body, like all of your tissues, turn red. So they exhumed the body and they looked at it and his entire body was bright red and they're like, carbon monoxide poisoning. Like, immediate diagnosis, like they knew. Wild. So that was the first thing, was that they were like, okay, wait, so he didn't die of pneumonia, he died of something else. And then, in comes our last guy, Joe Maglioni. These are all very Italian New York names. And he is a friend of Tough Tony, what was his last name? Bastoni. 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 And Joe Maglioni finds out that he hasn't been given a cut of the money. And he's pissed. He feels like he deserves some money. And so Joe Maglioni and Tough Tony Bastoni, <laughs> the names are so good, um, they get in, in some kind of disagreement. There's, you know, their friendship starts falling apart. And one day, Joe Maglioni shoots Tony in Marino's bar. And oh, Marino is like, oh, shit. Now somebody murdered someone in my bar? Like, what the fuck? So Joe was arrested and offered a plea bargain. So Joe Maglioni has no problem saying, oh, yeah, it was these guys. Because he's not yeah, going to get cut right. of the money anyway. Yeah. So he's off the hook for murdering Tony. Uh, Tony Bastoni. Aw, sorry, tough. Not sorry. He apparently pressured Marino into killing Malloy. So yeah. he did, I would argue he did have a part in this whole thing. But. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so uh, the five men were put on trial and convicted. Um, there was, like, really no question about what had happened. I mean, everybody was talking about this. There were rumors going around. Like, nobody was quiet about it. And Dr. Frank Manzella, who had signed the death certificate for Michael Malloy, was held as an accessory after the fact on ten grand bail. So he did, you know, get in trouble for that, for signing the freaking death certificate. 
One thing I noticed, I looked at the death certificate, just like out of curiosity. Um, it says that he was 40 years old, which the math doesn't add up for that. I think he was probably between 50 and 60. So they just didn't know. So I don't think they knew. And also it said that his occupation was he was a florist. Yeah. So. Wild. They obviously didn't know anything about this guy. They guessed. Yeah. What else? Um, oh, Hershey Green, who had attempted to run over Malloy with his taxi, um, got sent to prison. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. The other four members were sentenced to death by electric chair. Wow. So Kreisberg, Marino, and Pasqua were killed on June 7th, 1934 by electric chair. Murphy was killed on July 5th, 1934 um, at Sing Sing Correctional Facility in New York. So um, I'd say they got what they deserved. It's like a yeah. pretty violent death. I won't I won't sit here and be like, you know, I'm pro death penalty. I guess I don't really know where I stand with that. But I mean, they tried like 20 times to kill this guy. And they just would not give up like they were determined to kill this guy. And it's like a really sad story about greed and what people went through during the Great Depression and during Prohibition. And, like, basically these guys were, like, competing with each other over how to kill this one guy. Like, they were so desperate that all these guys wanted in on this. Yeah. But Malloy was literally indestructible. He had, like, a great spirit the entire time. Like, he was, like, you know, oh, man, I'm, I'm going through a rough time, but I'll go, like, have a drink with my friends at the bar. Like, he was always in great spirits. Um even after he, like, got run over and was in the hospital, he was like, man, like, whew, I don't know what happened, but, like, just give me a drink, man. Yeah. It's sad because if he hadn't been murdered, he probably, with the right level of support, would have been able to do a lot of great stuff with the rest of, with the rest of his life. Um, but I think this whole story is, like, super inspiring. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have all these guys who literally want you dead, and you're just like, nope. Also, the guys are fucking stupid. So fucking stupid. But still. So that's the story of Iron Mike or Michael Malloy. Right now, Marino's speakeasy has been bulldozed. Um, the home on Fulton Ave where Michael Malloy was finally killed was also bulldozed. So basically... Blaze it. Oh yeah, happy 420. Where's happy my vape? Happy 420. This one's for Michael Malloy. <laughs> I will have a beer in his honor later. <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say is that one of the things in the documentary I watched was that they said that there's no place for Malo Malloy's ghost to haunt because they bulldozed a speakeasy and they bulldozed the house where he died. I would argue that's not true yeah. because there was an ending part of that same documentary where they talked to an artist who lived in the Bronx and he was a former veteran, um, had been unhoused for a certain number of years, but he was also a mosaic artist. And so he does these mosaics on signposts and like light, light posts in New York city. Um, and I think you can still find them, but he did one of Michael Malloy and he was like, he was like, yeah, like Michael Malloy like lives on because he was just like so strong and like he was an immigrant, you know, came over from another country, was like going through a shitty time, had all these people who wanted to kill him and kept like a positive attitude and like 
I don't know. So like, I would argue that with like people who are former immigrants, people who are homeless, people who are going through like alcoholism, his story lives on. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And he's buried at Ferncliff Cemetery and Mausoleum in an unmarked grave. Even though there's no record of him immigrating, we know his birth date and his death date. So that's how we know that that's his grave. And the documentary that I keep talking about that I watched was pretty good. Um, I think it's from 2015. One title I saw for it was Name Your Poison. The other title I saw for it was like The Rasputin of the Bronx. But I think it might be put on by an Irish company Mm -hmm. network or something they have like immigrants that come on and talk about it people who are like from ireland and it's really cool because they talk a lot about like immigration and problems that like people from their family went through during the great depression and like alcoholism and they show a lot of like sympathy for um people who are like going through a shitty time so yeah i would recommend that if you're interested in this story you go and watch that because the dramatizations are also really funny (laughs) Okay. Tony Marino is like hyper Italian. Hyper Italian. He's like, bada bing, Tony. I'm a Tony. <laughs> My name is Tony. Just my cousin, Tony. <laughs> Tony was Tony. Oh, very good. <laughs> so that is a very weird story about uh, a guy who just wouldn't die. Good for him. Good for him. Excuse me, I have to look at something. That's okay. Oh, cute. Um, Nick handed me this thing, which is like, um, like a dog, like adoption event type oh, thing. Oh, cute. Uh-oh. Featuring adoptable dogs. <gasps> Uh-oh. You're, you, I don't know, it's dangerous. I know. Oh, that's so cute. They have like a competition too. It's like $10, you know, like, it's just like your dog, but they have like so many categories and stuff like mixed dogs and like biggest wow. lap dogs like oh, that's, that's so great. cute i bet I Ruben <laughs> could absolutely win cutest dog perfect look at my boys look at those oh look at those boys kisses on the nose kisses Limp. on the nose that's my brother uh do you want to go and check out the adoptable dogs is that what you were ha- handing that to me for it's the day. It's the day before my birthday. Birthday present? <laughs> for how many birthdays? For for, for the next. <laughs> how many How many birthdays does that count for? Like. Well, 16, definitely at least maybe. mine and yours. So. Yeah, come on. That's a big present, man. Yeah, that's true. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. <sighs> well, do you want to talk about weed instead, instead of puppies? I mean, I'm okay with talking about both, but sure. So, today I'm going to talk about four ways to make cannabis more environmentally friendly. Ooh, yay! Yes! I do love the environment. I do love the environment as well. Okay, so, the first thing that we can do is reduce high levels of waste due to strict regulation. So, there's a lot of specific ways that legal cannabis has to be packaged Mm. and it does involve a lot of plastic waste there's a lot of single use packaging everything is like wrapped and wrapped and wrapped again and put in a box and then wrapped and put it in a bag and Mm -hmm. that is like one of the biggest sources of waste in the industrial cannabis industry hopefully 
there's like groups working towards uh, putting like some restrictions on what type of plastic at least you can use and like things like that, trying to at least make it sustainable, eco-friendly, reduce our impact on the environment with all our single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. Two, <laughs> we can reduce energy consumption. Uh, one of the biggest things about the energy consumption with uh, cannabis growth is that you can't legally grow outside in a lot of states Mm. um in most places actually especially cannabis that you intend to sell because it all has to be like under lock and key even if it's in a greenhouse you're still using a lot of power and electricity to run like the fans and like shit like that if it's over the winter you need you need lights and stuff like that and cannabis needs up to about 18 hours of light a day during its veggie stage. That's so much, you know? And even at its lowest, it still needs 12 hours of light a day. Yeah. And then you also have to keep it at a specific temperature. You have to make sure the humidity is correct. Like, there's a lot of, like, just, like, electric power going in to growing that. And one one of the things that you can do, or that we should be able to do is grow outside because it's a plant and it grows it does grow best like outside and it requires a lot less energy to grow things outside because the sun is already there there's already wind you know you don't have to worry so much you don't have to create artificial sun or create artificial wind or anything like that yes exactly and uh, exactly it's not like cannabis is like an invasive species or anything like that's the only reason why i like that's the only argument i have towards like them saying like hey you can't grow the specific thing is if it's an invasive invasive species like i get that but it's not like cannabis is one of those yeah and like you can like put some like pretty beefy like fences up and stuff yeah yeah there's ways to prevent people from like getting to the cannabis if like that's what if that's that's what what you're worried about yeah you're worried about you can't just like go pick a weed plant you know it just doesn't like (laughs) won't do anything yeah if you go and steal somebody's like weed plant out of their garden it's like dead like you're not gonna get anything from it yeah like come on (laughs) dumb okay so coming off of that there's also a lot of water waste and water usage of course in growing plants and even if you use like a naturally occurring system um if you use any sort of pesticides on your plants whether they're organic or not they're still pesticides Mm -hmm. and they will like recycle back into the water system which can long-term damage like uh environment but also (laughs) cannabis it requires so much water to grow if you don't grow sustainably responsibly you can deplete like the natural water sources because there won't be enough you'll be using more than is coming in yes 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 that, that makes, makes sense. sense to me it's better to have rainwater and the occasional like drop of water from the hose or whatever i don't know well it's like even if Like, okay, even if Nick and I are watering our plants out in our garden four times a day, we're not. Like, that's excessive. We only have four plants. That is not depleting our natural source of water enough to make an impact on the environment. Yeah. It is, like, large scale where you have, like, thousands and thousands of plants where you're trying to 
feed and water all of those plants all the time, you start to make it so the water source cannot replenish at a fast enough rate. Yeah, to yeah, keep yeah, up yeah. With the amount of water that you're using. Mm-hmm. Okay. True. That that true, took true, a minute true, true, to true, get true. out, but yes. No, that makes sense. That's a big problem too, especially with um, global warming. Is a lot of obviously water resources going away. Um, lots of drought and drying up of like river beds and shit like that that have never been dry before mm. because it's just evaporating so that doesn't help yeah yeah with stuff like that so we need to be sustainable in general too don't even get me started on california <laughs> um and then the last thing is just to like reiterate the use of plastics not every single thing has to be like individually packaged and stuff like that we should be pushing more reusable products and things like that um there's a lot of i'm sure you know like single-use vape cartridges and things like that um even the vape cartridges themselves like once you use that you can't recycle it like they don't want it back or anything like that so there's a lot of just like waste coming out just by the products themselves and the packaging and all that shit so we should go back to using more sustainable products may i recommend hemp yeah Ooh, that'd be a good idea using hemp to package your cannabis product is just like smart i feel like because that's a very that's an easier crop to grow one and you get so much out of it it's like worth Hmm. it i wonder what i have a couple containers that i saved because they were like pretty nice. Yeah. I wonder what those are made out of. Because I the other thing I was going to say is that there are some like that I can think of off the top of my head <clears throat> where I bought the containers and they've been like glass or like really thick plastic. And they've been like nice enough to where I can like use them for other things. Like that's also an option. Like if you can yeah. just keep them and use them for other things. But the downside to that is that most of the time the stuff with nicer packaging is more expensive because they don't spend as much on like marketing and labeling and like getting those fancy containers made that are also child safe because they need to have the child safe lock on them. Yes. So it's just like if you want to pay a little bit more to have nicer packaging that might also be recyclable, but then like that's also not on you, you know, like that's on the company yeah we to make that available for you that's kind of like the thing is this is all about the big people like it's nothing we can do individually as consumers to really do that much of an impact if it makes can, you feel better you can do but it but <laughs> it it does make me feel better to like yeah. minimize like my plastic waste and like if i like use a too much plastic wrap like i at work like i get like upset about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i know it's nothing we can do as individuals to stop it so it's really on the companies to make themselves more sustainable and hopefully that'll be something that we can start pushing for yeah yeah that would be great especially since cannabis is starting to get more uh we're seeing more dispensaries popping up and so on and so forth Tons and tons and tons of dispensaries. So many dispensaries. So many dispensaries. This is why everyone wants to move to our state, man. Yeah, I'm so sorry to all the people who don't have as easy access to them as we do. But I also think it's getting to be a little excessive. It's absolutely excessive. (laughs) It's a lot. Also because there's no, like, 
competition or anything between them. So, like, they all charge so much for all of their shit. And it's all the same prices across the board, no matter where you go. So it's very strange. Yeah. It's it's not like It's not like how uh, liquor stores operate where, like... You know, you can go to one liquor store and get one thing for one price and go to another liquor store and get the same thing for a different price. It's, like, not at all like that. Like, they're all set prices. So no matter which dispenser you go to, you're paying, like, $60 for a cartridge or $40 for the edibles. It's a lot. Yeah, so every time you go, like, expect to spend upwards of, like, $100. And then, like, most of that is you're paying for the packaging and the marketing is another thing, too. Yeah. So I wish I didn't have to pay for that. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. Give it to me in a little plastic baggie. I'll put it in a jar when I get home, I swear. Yeah. Oh, but make it a reusable plastic baggie. Like those resealable ones that I have I at home. I was going to say, like those Mylar bags. Yeah, those are wicked nice. I, I like yeah. reuse those, so. Yeah. Ugh, come on. I'm saying. Well. Well. Thank you for that. Thank you for bringing welcome. it up. Always nice to talk about how much we love the environment. Yes. Do you have anything else to say? No, I don't. Awesome. Well, if you liked what you heard today, check out our website at yourbrainonweird.com. We have our merch. We have a submission box if you ever want to tell us anything weird. We'd love to hear stories. We have our links to all of our social media. Mostly we use Twitter only, basically. Yes. Uh, also, <laughs> check out our Patreon and uh, that bonus content that Sage so nicely put up for our subscribers. And yes. I need to go refill my water bottle because I have really bad cotton mouth. Sounds great. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm Sam. I'm Sage. And this has been Your Brain on Weird. Good night. Have a wonderful day. Happy blazer. Happy blazer.